0: Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about BetOnline.ag. It's time for the sweetest 16 of March. Hope you guys didn't have Kansas or Purdue or Arizona going too far in your bracket. All of your odds, props, promos, and parlays for college basketball are available on BetOnline Sportsbook. You can use our promo code Believe50. That's B-L-E-A-V five zero to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the. Description to this episode. Bet Online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of Wired Up. This is a Wired Up episode 138. Here on the Take It Easy podcast, Wired Ups have been going all the way back to 2019. It's not every Sunday. It's frequently on Sundays. It's almost exclusively on Sundays, but not every Sunday. And here on Wired Up, we always like to bring some extra discussion from the week into the fold when we have the opportunity or intrigue to do so. And with March Madness going on, there are all sorts of opportunities to break down the basketball going on, and we did it last week. We'll do it again this week. Monday, we'll have a full breakdown of the men's final four because I could do up-to-date analysis here on Wired Up, although right now we're looking at Florida Atlantic trailing by five against Kansas State, but they were winning for most of the second half. There's like eight minutes left, so Maybe if I record long enough, we'll get a result here on the show, but it would only be one of the four semifinal games, and if I'm going to talk about hometown 619 school San Diego making it to the Elite Eight and talk about that athletic program, we got to do it in a long-form podcast, and uh, I'm going to wait until Monday to discuss that. So I wanted to take some time here on, to, on this show to talk about the Women's Elite Eight because the Women's Elite Eight is now set. The games will be played today on Sunday and on Monday. It is a really, really interesting field with lots of interesting storylines that I just want to touch on ever so briefly here on the Take It Easy podcast. The first place I want to start is the Women's Final Four almost consistently, and really we could say the Women's Elite Eight if we want to expand it out, but more specifically the Women's Final Four has a a disproportionate amount of one and two seeds that advance to the Final Four. There's a number of reasons for this. Talent accumulation at the top was very similar to the men's tournament where the best players went to a handful of programs, and those programs, because of the lack of exposure in women's sports, were able to financially stabilize players, incentivize them to come to their schools, There's Yukonism, which Kate Fagan and Jessica Smetana explain really well how Yukonism kind of expanded throughout college basketball during the mid 2000s and late or early 2010s, kind of the 10 year period between like 2005 and 2017. Yukon was the program that everyone acknowledged in college basketball. We talked a little bit about this on Monday last week when we talked about South Carolina. Don Staley, Aaliyah Boston, the coverage around the women's final four. And what's interesting about this Elite Eight is that the top seeds are disproportionately losing. Stanford was a number one seed on the women's side. They lost in the second round of the tournament to Ole Miss. And Miami, Florida beat Indiana, another one seed in the round of 32, both on the home floors of the other team. Because the difference in the women's tournament, for those who don't know, round one and round two are played at the home team site. So Miami beat Indiana on Indiana's home floor to knock them out in the second round of the tournament. Ole Miss beat Stanford. On Stanford's home floor, which honestly feels like reparations in some way. I don't know how the dynamics work. I know Ole Miss is the Rebels, so we're not talking about reparations to black people. Because, again, Ole Miss is the Rebels. They had a Confederate flag up on their stadium and campus until a surprisingly recent amount of time ago. It just feels good that Ole Miss beat Stanford. Just something about that feels good and just. Anyways, Ole Miss... Wins that game. It was the first time since 2009 that a number one seed failed to make the Sweet 16 at the women's tournament. It happened twice in two days that a number one seed lost in the first two rounds of March Madness. And now you have the Elite Eight set up because I mentioned Miami, Florida earlier. Miami ended up pulling off the giant upset against Indiana and Miami ended up beating Villanova, who you may remember had the star player who put up 50 points, Matty Segrist, Villanova, who was on their way to having a crazy Final Four run, they lost to Miami and Destiny Harden and a program who got punished for paying players, essentially, which in an NIL era is kind of like Okay, NCAA. If the NCAA showed up and handed me infractions and violations, I would just ignore them. And you don't have to cooperate with the NCAA because the NCAA is not a legal entity, it is a private corporation. You have no obligation to uh, comply with their investigations. They are pretend police at this point. And so Miami, Florida, while sanctioned, is going on this incredible Elite Eight run. And they're kind of, re- in a weird way, they represent rebellion in the women's game, which I and maybe in the men's game as well. I know they're playing in the Elite Eight on Sunday against Texas, and maybe they'll be in the Final Four by the time this comes out. In the women's game, Miami-Florida got hit with actual sanctions. And so in a way, Miami-Florida represents rebellion. And you know, anarchy and rebellion are our love languages when it comes to sports. I'm a sports anarchist through and through. Sometimes I just enjoy watching the world burn, and in this case, Miami, Florida is the one doing the burning, and now they're in the Elite Eight as a 9C, the first nine seed to advance in over 15 years, and now I'm really rooting for them, not just because of being a sports anarchist, because they're playing against LSU, and for those who don't know, the head coach of LSU is a Hall of Fame basketball coach by the name of Kim Mulkey. You might have seen Kim Mulkey this weekend because of the outlandish outfits that Kim Mulkey wears on the sidelines of games for now LSU previously working for Baylor. Kim Mulkey, I can say with pretty safe confidence, is a bad person. I feel pretty safe in saying that Kim Mulkey is a bad person. And we try to do, we try to be morally and ethically sound in our day to day lives. And some of that spills over to the show. There's good probable reason to say that Kim Mulkey is probably a bad person. We could go down the line to her response of sexual assault victims at Baylor University and the egregious dismissal of female, uh, basically a rampant culture of sexual assault overseen by Ian McCaw and Art Bryles in the football program, um, having the incentive to cover it up, and Kim Mulkey being someone who at every turn defended Ian McCaw and Art Briles during the Baylor sexual assault scandal. Uh, You could point to Kim Mulkey being someone who is probably racist. I think by association, Kim Mulkey is racist, has backed up Republican candidates in Texas time and time again, took the job at LSU and was almost unapologetic for the people at Baylor who had essentially, not necessarily suffered, but people who had been victims of the culture at Baylor under Mulkey's watch. Goes to LSU again, a program that is really, really dirty. If you've heard the stories about, we reported on it back in 2021. This is a school that repeatedly turned a blind eye to sexual assault within their program. Once the reporting done by the USA Today, and uh, I forgot who else did the other reporting, but we, we in 2021 we spent like six podcasts diving into LSU, and Les Miles lost his job at or Les Miles lost his job at Kansas. Ed Orgeron lost his job at LSU. Will Wade got fired for other reasons of and including the sexual assault culture that was being over, uh, that was being ignored at LSU and athletic director. I, I don't know if the athletic director ended up losing his job or if that was part of the previous regime, but and that someone lost their job in the front of the department and LSU settled like a $500 million lawsuit with victims. Of their rampant sexual assault, uh, sexual harassment, and sexual assault culture uh, that was being ignored and it sometimes enabled by LSU. Kim Mulkey goes from Baylor and everything that happened there to LSU, in the middle of everything going on with that program, has again been almost unapologetic and ignored some of the sexual assault stuff around LSU. And now Kim Mulkey, Hall of Fame basketball coach, finds herself back in a position where she's getting ready to go to a Final Four with a brand new school. Kim Mulkey insists also that the path to equality and equity in women's sports is by paying coaches the same as men's coaches, which doesn't solve the underlying problem of players being exploited for their labor. Like I said, Kim Mulkey probably a bad person. I feel confident saying that Kim Mulkey is a bad person. And Kim Mulkey, I really want to lose in the final F- in the Elite 8 to Miami because I don't want Kim Mulkey to be on that final four stage and I don't want more attention to be drawn to this person who I can say Probably and confidently is a bad person. The other matchups at the Elite Eight transition, 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 doing the best we can to transition off of that. The other matchups in the Elite Eight are really, really interesting because on Monday you're going to see Ohio State. I don't know too much about Ohio State, they're a three seed, they've pulled off victories against UConn, which is obviously a big deal. I know UConn hasn't won a championship in now seven seasons and they haven't made a Final Four in... I think they've made one Final Four in seven seasons. So obviously this isn't the same UConn program and Paige Buker's tearing her ACL at the start of the season was kind of the downfall for UConn. Now you've got Ohio State in the Elite Eight against Virginia Tech who's the number one seed still alive in the tournament. So granted, Virginia Tech's a really good team. That game will be interesting, even if I don't have the storylines of Miami and LSU to kind of dive into. Then we've got the other two matchups, which are super fascinating. On one side, you have Caitlin Clark, who's probably going to win National Player of the Year at Iowa, a star of college basketball. Like, if you can only name two or three College basketball players, men or women, Caitlin Clark's probably one of the handful of names that you know at this point. Caitlin Clark and Iowa are one win away from a Final Four against Louisville. The last time Caitlin Clark was in a big game, I believe she put up a triple double in the Big Ten championship game. So there's an opportunity for Caitlin Clark to show out tomorrow. And the game is after all the uh, Final Four between San Diego State and Creighton and Miami and Texas. So in prime time, on a Sunday, there's an opportunity for Caitlin Clark to show out at the Elite Eight. I think that's super interesting and compelling, and I hope I will find the time to sit down and watch at least a part of that game. Granted, my fan width is not as large as it once was, and maybe I'll forget about it by the time we come around to Sunday. Kaitlyn Clark is having an opportunity for a breakout moment. I mean, she's already a star, but having a moment to carry Iowa to a Final Four that will represent the pinnacle of her basketball career. That's a super interesting storyline for the best player in the tournament. And then in the last Elite Eight matchup, you have South Carolina. And South Carolina is playing Maryland, who's a two-seed. Maryland ended up beating Notre Dame, and... They've, they've won every game of the tournament rather easily. So the best thing I can say about Maryland, because I just don't know anything about their program, is they seem like a viable matchup against South Carolina. And this is interesting because there's South Carolina is the most fascinating story in all of college basketball right now. Because South Carolina has an undefeated team. They're the defending national champions. Aliyah Boston was National Player of the Year last year. They are the dynastic program of college basketball right now. And I anticipate South Carolina will win this game, but that's besides the point. What South Carolina is, is entertainment. And if you add the stakes and the storylines of women's college basketball, you add in entertainment value and it becomes a game that's really worth watching. What was so great about the Gonzaga UCLA men's game on uh, Friday, Thursday, Friday, Thursday of last week. What made it so interesting was you had stakes. One game, winner go home, Sweet 16, two of the five best teams in college basketball. You had all the storylines of the two preeminent West Coast basketball programs, Gonzaga taking UCLA's birthright to championships, and they have a tournament history against each other. You had entertainment. That game was thoroughly entertaining. The first half was up and down, point after point after point. You had action, and at the end of the game, you had intense amounts of drama where it was Gonzaga overcoming a 13 point deficit to take a 10 point lead that they then threw away in the final two minutes of the game. And it came down to one possession for Gonzaga to decide the title or, sorry, to decide the victor who would probably go on to the final four. You had stakes, storylines, entertainment, action, and drama, which pretty much is the five tools of making for a classic sports event. Maryland and South Carolina has two has three of them already going into the game because you have the the stakes of one game winner go home. All of these March Madness games have stakes, especially when we're talking about two of the three best teams remaining in the tournament, which is Maryland and South Carolina, based on Maryland being a two seed, winning every game so far by at least 15 points. Maryland is a really good basketball team and a respectable opponent. South Carolina is the dynastic program of college basketball. And if you're looking for storylines to help you get invested in this sport, look no further than South Carolina. We talked about it on Monday last week with Dawn Staley and being a black woman as a head coach in the face of the sport and someone who's outspoken about black women's issues and is really an interesting figure in this world of college sports where the coaches can sometimes, I mean, a lot of times the coaches are bigger than the players. You, the players rotate every three or four years. The coaches remain for 10 to 20 years. The coaches are part of the story. And so Don Staley at South Carolina has a two-time national champion program, 2017 with Asia Wilson, 2022 with Aaliyah Boston last year. She has an undefeated team this year with the number one seed who is is expected to win the entire tournament, go back to back, and firmly create a dynastic program for all of time at South Carolina that feels like it's already there. It's just the three championships thing and a perfect team would be... Another level right there with UConn, who obviously UConn has the bar set in, co- in women's college basketball, but South Carolina's right there. You don't see three-time champions in these sports, and specifically three-time champions within a single decade. There are so many interesting storylines. Before we even get to Aliyah Boston and the rest of players on South Carolina, before we even get to that, you've got all the interesting storylines around that program and that coach. And they play a really entertaining style of basketball. They score a shit ton of points. Not as many as Maryland in the tournament so far, but hey, sometimes you're going to have these battles and matchups that will create interesting opposites attracting that will make for entertaining basketball for all of us. South Carolina has beat the brakes off the teams that they've played so far. And it looks like you're going to have Maryland, the... Just from an eyeball look here, Maryland has scored an average of 73 points per game so far here in March Madness. Uh, wait, actually, no, I sold that a little bit short. Maryland has scored an average of 83 points per game in March Madness so far. South Carolina has been one of the leading scoring teams this year. It is going to make for an entertaining, high-scoring brand of basketball with two of the The three best teams remaining in the tournament on primetime on Monday. That game is going to be incredibly, incredibly interesting to watch, and all four of these games have interesting storylines that can be deciphered from them, whether it's Caitlin Clark, whether it's Miami being the anarchist of the sport, whether it's disdain for Kim Mulkey and the villain who I want to lose because I can say pretty confidently Kim Mulkey is a bad person, whether it's Virginia Tech, and what they've put up this year. There's, and all the way down to Aaliyah Boston, Dawn Staley, in South Carolina, and everything we talked about for 20 minutes last Monday. All of this is interesting. All of these talking points and all of these storylines are going to drive interest around this, and the women's Elite Eight is going to be really exciting to watch because we've reached this point in the tournament where all the stakes, all the storylines are coming into focus and... And I think it's going to make for very, very entertaining basketball over the next two days. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for stopping in here to Wired Up here on the Take It Easy podcast. We're going to have episodes Monday through Friday all throughout this week. Hope you leave a five-star review, download, support our work, maybe even buy our new book. Our new book on the San Antonio Spurs dynasty is out now. It's called the Spurs Dynasty, a historical account of the most successful franchise in all of North American pro sports. You can check that out wherever you get books. There's links in the description to this episode to all of that stuff. Thank you for stopping in and for all of your support. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. And in the meantime, take it easy. Thank you for listening to Believe.